Welcome back skiers and snowboarders. It's the peak of the season here in Utah with great mid-February skiing and riding. Hi, I'm Tom Kelly, your host for Last Chair from Ski Utah, telling the story of the greatest snow on earth. The past few months on Last Chair, we've hopscotched from Little Cottonwood over to Solitude. We spent an evening grooming at Deer Valley and a day cruising the trees with Park City Powder Cats. Today, we've headed back to Big Cottonwood Canyon to the oldest ski resort in Utah. A little trivia fact for you, Brighton Resort opened way back in 1936, the very first ski area in the state. Our guest family has played a role here at Brighton since 1943 when Zane Doyle invested in a small tea bar on the flanks of what is now known as Mount Majestic, and it sure has come a long way since then. Our guest right now, the general manager of Brighton Resort, Randy Doyle. Randy, thanks for joining. Happy to. Thanks, Tom. Well, it's really good to have you. You know, I, I have always uh, respected what you've done here, and when I made my uh, entree into Utah in the late 80s and the early 90s with the U.S. ski team, I always appreciated uh, your open arms at Ski Utah and helping me understand a little bit of uh, what goes on up here in the Wasatch. Cool. Yeah. It's been uh, great knowing you. It's yeah, it's been fun. And, you know, I had forgotten because I haven't been here in a couple of years and uh, I had forgotten just how beautiful it is. And today made out, made a few runs, went up Great Western and uh, traversed the ridgeline up there. And those views down into Snake Creek and then coming back and looking at the Wasatch, there's nothing like that. Yeah, there's some ama amazing views uh, up on top looking into Snake Creek and then looking down into the Salt Lake Valley as well. It's a bird's eye view of the Snowbird Tram across the way and the top of uh, Greeley Bowl at Alta. So it's, uh, you just can't beat the view. Yeah, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm looking over there and there was, there was somebody up there with me saying, boy, I wish I had a helicopter right now. <laughs> just go dropping in on some of those bowls over there. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Beautiful place. Yeah, it, 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 it really is. You know, this is an area with a, a, a lot of history and I don't think people realize just how much uh, the history of Utah skiing has taken place right here in Big Cottonwood Canyon going all the way back to 1936. Tell us a little bit about about the early origins of what we now know as Brighton Resort. Well, in the early uh, early days of uh, skiing at the resort, uh, the Salt Lake Ski Club uh, had their own toe. The Wasatch Mountain Club, who's celebrating their 100th anniversary this year, also had a, a toe. And then there was another little toe that was built by uh, a well-known uh, ski instructor over the years, uh, Kay Smith and uh, a couple of his partners. So uh, three different little ski companies back in the day. You know, that's much different uh, setup than we have today and maybe a little bit like a lot of us know of the European model. So so you essentially had, and, and were, were these all up on the Mount Majestic side or were, what we now know as Mount Majestic? They were all on the Mount Majestic side, that's right. And what was it called back then? It was something different. The, the original hill uh, was referred to as Lawner's Hill. And Lawner was a, uh, a fellow who owned a little lodge at the base of the mountain. Uh, at that time, it was the Alpine Rose, and it's still the Alpine Rose, although definitely yeah. not the same little lodge. So, so the lodge has been rebuilt since then? Yes. Yeah, burned yeah. down in the, the first lodge uh, had been built onto many times and then burned down in the uh, late 60s. Yeah. So, so back in that time, in the 1930s, how did the, how did the skiers find their way up Big Cottonwood and what sort of an effort did that require to get up here and ski? Took an amazing amount of effort. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that the road was even open at times was because of the Cardiff Mines, which is, uh, well, Cardiff Fork is down below Brighton, about five miles. And uh, they would plow to there. And then eventually the state plowed all the way to the, uh, 
to the Brighton Circle. Yeah. Uh, my dad, when he was involved, would uh, follow a state plow on, after a big snow event uh, with uh, oh, maybe 150, 200 gallons of diesel fuel in the back of his, uh, at that time, war surplus weapons carrier. And, uh, and sometimes a day and a half to two days later, they'd arrive at the mountain. <laughs> so, so. so it wasn't just a simple day trip sometimes. Yeah, indeed. So when you got up here, you had three different lift companies, essentially. Uh, yeah. You just made a choice as to which lift you wanted to ride and paid them. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, if you look in the old Wasatch Rambler, that's a magazine that was put out by the Wasatch Mountain Club. There's ads for the different companies and uh, 10 rides for a dollar 50. Yeah. What motivated your dad Zane to get involved back then? Uh, dad was in the, uh, the meat business. He was a butcher by trade and, uh, met some folks, uh, had a very good friend that owned a, uh, uh, store down in Salt Lake, uh, by the name of Ray Watrous. And he brought him up here skiing and it was during the war and, uh, the, uh, nothing was running up here at that time, of course. And he thought, uh, boy, this would be a great place to, to try to make a go of it. Yeah. And it, back then, I imagine there wasn't much for grooming, snowmaking, or any of the uh, assets that we have today to make the experience so so good. Oh, uh, none of that. You know, grooming didn't come in until many years later. And even in the initial stages of grooming, they were only dragging around either big wooden drums that tried to compact the snow and, you know... Uh, tillers and groomers and blades were uh, not even thought of so corduroy had not been invented yet <laughs> no <laughs> no do do what is your earliest memory of coming up here to the resort as a young boy uh when i was really young i yeah, my first memory of really skiing at the resort was uh was coming up with my mother and she was trying to teach me how to ski just right out here in front of our now majestic chairlift and I remember uh, lace-up boots that she had rubber bands instead of laces for and uh, brought me up and uh, hiked me up the hill, let me go, and I promptly crashed into a tree. And I remember that for some reason. You remember reason. that? Well, it's, it's a memory. How old were you then? Oh, I think I was probably two or three. Oh, you were really young. Yeah. Really yeah. young. Yeah. So. Was that your first experience with snow? That, that I can remember. Yeah. I, you know. Yeah. Were the, were the, were the mountains and, and these canyons, was that a big part of your life, both summer and winter with your family? Yeah, I grew up in the mountains, uh, uh, in the wintertime, uh, as I got older, I would spend most all my time on free time at the resort and, uh, just playing around skiing and, uh, and, and enjoying, the, enjoying the snow. And later on, uh, in the summer months, oh gosh, I think I started, uh, painting things when I was in about thir when I was 13 to 15 and then uh, worked through summers at the resort until I graduated from college and then uh, a few years later started full-time at the resort. Yeah. Did you work as a lifty? I've probably worked in every position I can think of. <laughs> Cleaned a lot of toilets over the years. Now, at uh, at some point, I know that uh, your father uh, started to uh, aggregate those different lifts that were on the mountain and, and through acquisition or whatever it was. But but when did the resort uh, uh, kind of become one entity and, and not two or three different people with, with lifts on the mountain? Oh, probably in the... Uh Late 60s. At that time, uh, my uh, grandfather was in the business with my uh, 
my father as well as uh, my uncle. And uh, they purchased a Brighton Recreation Company, which had a single chair lift on the uh, far side of the resort over on the Millicent area. And uh, then it was all under one ownership after that, as, yeah. far as, the, as far as the mountain facilities went. How did the name Brighton come about? What's the history of that name? Uh, Brighton is the uh, name of uh, the settler, one of the settlers of Brighton, the town of Brighton now, uh, a Scottish gentleman that uh, started a hotel, the Brighton Hotel, down mm -hmm. by an area called Silver Lake now. So yeah. that's where the name came from. Yeah. Do, do you have, if you think back in the memories of, of those days, uh, th this is an area that has, has really, I think, retained its, its culture. It's, a, it's, it's always been a, a, a family area. And is this rooted in the principles that uh, your family put in place back in the 40s and 50s and 60s? Well, I think, uh, I think Brighton has a, a place uh, near and dear uh, to a lot of folks. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of a lot of that is because it has been a family area. It's it's not a huge area. There's not a lot of lodging in the canyon, so there's not a lot of out of state influence. So it's always really been a locals area, uh, even more so in the early early days, the pioneer days when uh, folks in the Salt Lake Valley would come up here to recreate and get out of the heat in the summer months. And, and, and later on, uh, come on up and ski. Yeah. Did Zane have any particular vision or passion? Uh, you know, if you think back to those early days, and I know you were just a young boy when, when things were getting going, but did he, did he have a particular vision in mind as to how he saw this place? Um, you know, I think he always thought of it as a, as a, as a family place, a place where families could come and, and recreate and, uh, always tried to keep it affordable and, uh, uh, and he always, as, you know, one of my recollections is, you know, he would always talk about the families um, in the Salt Lake Valley that would come up with their kids and whatnot and help support him in those lean years. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, he'd frequently talk about uh, all the support he had. Yeah. Do you know, we we look out there now and we, we actually have had a pretty good snow year this year and last year. Uh, everybody likes to talk about snow back in the day. What was <laughs> the snow like back then? You know, I think uh, yeah, there was a lot of snow, but it would come at different times of the year, I think. You know, we have pretty good snow coverage nowadays uh, uh, in December. And as, as a boy growing up, I don't remember great snow coverage yeah. in December. Uh, it seems like we have a, a better snow earlier and uh, um, uh, it doesn't last quite as long. Yeah. I remember skiing into May all the time and not so much anymore. Yeah. Snowmaking, uh, well, actually, when did snowmaking come in here? Uh, snowmaking at Brighton started when uh, Everett Kircher purchased the resort. And, uh, of course, Everett was one of the... Um, original developers of some snowmaking technology and uh, you know we had snowmaking within a year yeah uh, after he bought the area did you spend a lot of time working with everett i did i enjoyed everett he was a great guy he really was i uh, i grew up working at a resort in wisconsin called telemark and uh the uh 
the entrepreneur behind that resort, Tony Wise, was very much a contemporary of, of Everett. And both of them, you know, one on the Wisconsin side of Lake Michigan and one on the Michigan side, uh, really innovated a lot of those early implements for grooming and the principles of, of, uh, uh, of snowmaking. And, you know, Everett was an amazing individual, and I'm sure yeah. you learned a lot of lessons from this guy. I did. You know, Everett was, uh, he had a reput reputation of being kind of a gruff guy, but I always got along very well with him and enjoyed my time with him. You know, he was actually responsible for bringing Stein Erickson to America. Do you know this story? That's right. Yeah. He, uh, Stein Erickson wandered into his uh, Studebaker dealership in the Detroit area back in the early 50s, and they got to talking. And uh, Everett has this little ski area, Boyne Mountain up in Michigan, and he eventually offered Stein uh, a job. And in typical Stein fashion, he negotiated a better deal than what was initially offered, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, he's quite an amazing guy. Yeah. Um over the years, I know you've probably, uh, you know, had some great stories of the the guests who've been here. I mean, any, do you have any stories you might be able to share with us of some things that are very quintessential Brighton? Oh, gosh. Uh, like I say, there have been many, many, many families over the years that have uh, been, uh, you know, skiers at Brighton and snowboarders at Brighton. And, uh, you know, there's there's too many to even, even remember. But I, I remember the early days of, uh, you know, the Deseret News Ski School, which Alf Engen had, had started. And, uh, you know, at one point in time, they would move between Big and Little Cottonwood Canyon. And I remember those times when Alf Engen would be sitting in, a, in the ticket office with uh, my dad and, and my uncle. And, uh, and, and the ticket office uh, at that time was, you know, not an office as we would uh, you know, think of nowadays, it was about the size of a tough shed and that's where all business <laughs> of the resort took place. And, uh, just good memories of those guys and Lowell Thomas, a, 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 a broadcaster mm -hmm. in the early days of broadcasting was, uh, also uh, up here all the time. And he brought his son up and, <clears throat> you know, between Alf and Lowell and, uh, you know, dad and Dean, it was fun to see them, uh, uh, get out and, uh, you know, enjoy themselves. They were quite the luminaries at that time. Yeah. Yeah. You Smart were, folks. If, if you, if you go back into, uh, and that would have been probably in the sixties. Yeah. In the sixties. If you go back into that time period, that's long before Snowbird Alta was there, but what else, what else was around in the Wasatch for skiing back in the sixties? Well, sixties, of course, Alta was there, uh, late sixties, you know, Park City was, was, was coming up. Um, and uh, of course, uh, um, you know, Snow Basin and, you know, all of, all of these ski areas were starting to come online at that time and, and before. And uh, so it was, uh, everybody was just kind of, it was kind of the beginning of a, of a whole new deal. Did this, what, what kind of a mystique did skiing hold back then? Uh, was it a, uh, was, uh, uh, is it kind of a, an, outlying activity or were more and more people starting to get engaged in it? Uh, in the late sixties, I think more and more folks were getting involved in, in the sport and, uh, uh, you know, the fashion and, and all of, uh, all of the, uh, amenities were, were, were changing at the time. It wasn't just a way of getting up the mountain. It was more of a way of socializing and, uh, enjoying your friends and enjoying the mountain as well. So it was a lifestyle. 
His lifestyle. Real lifestyle. What was it that really captivated you into that lifestyle as a young boy? Well, like I say, I, I, I've had the opportunity and uh, good fortune to grow up in the mountain. I just love the mountain. I love getting out and uh, um, going in the backcountry at that, at that time in my life. And, uh, and uh, I just fell in love with the, the mountain and, and the people that were out there enjoying the mountain uh, as well. Yeah. So, uh, like you say, a, a great lifestyle to yeah, be part it, of. It 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 really is. It really is quite a lifestyle. Um, let's talk about uh, Brighton today and some of the changes that have been made over the last couple of decades. Uh, uh, you you have a, a, a great resort now. You have uh, high speed chairs, a uh, very efficient process of getting people up the mountain. As we left the 60s and 70s, how did you see the mountain evolve into the modern day? Well, uh, you know, the biggest impact to the mountain with, uh, uh, was uh, really began when the Kircher family purchased the resort and started investing some significant dollars into, uh, into the development of the mountain. You know, uh, within a couple of years, we had a high-speed quad, one of, the, one of the first in Utah, and that really... Uh, really changed the complexion of the entire resort. Uh, John Kircher, who was, I was working for at that time, uh, was, a, was a real skier and he thought, you know, if you can ski down that, we ought to have a, we ought to have a chairlift there. And- uh, Which lift was that? And that was our crest chairlift. Mm -hmm. And we had plans to uh, build the crest lift, but we had never had plans to extend it quite as far as we did. And when we did that, that was really a game changer for the resort. And so since that time, <clears throat> we've continued to uh, build new, uh, new chairlifts, mostly high-speed quads. And so we're one of the few resorts uh, now that has uh, high-speed access to all points in the resort. So uh, it's, a, it's a great, great fun mountain. Yeah. When did Mount Millicent come online with the resort? Mount Millicent, the original Mount Millicent started in about 1949 uh, with Brighton Recreation Properties. And it was an old single chair, old American steel wire rope single chair, same as they had in uh, Sun Valley. How far up did that go? It went uh, about three quarters of the way of where it currently goes uh, to the top of what we call the backbone. Yeah. And then uh, later on, there was actually a T-bar that went up to where it uh, terminates today. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we've all watched over the years is we, we have all of these resorts that are so closely connected. And in particular here, you're really at kind of a junction point almost between yeah. big and little Cottonwood Canyon. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the maybe the long term potential of somehow linking this up a little more? Well, over the years, the resorts have continued to grow towards each other uh, with various expansions and whatnot. Um, we're so close right now, like you say. Uh, you know, we share a, we share a border with solitude now. Uh, there's really just a, a gate between us, and we have a joint pass as well. Uh, you know, the Alta ski area and Snowbird ski area are just over the other side of Grizzly Gulch. Um, it's very simple to ski over there and to ski back through uh, through uh, uh, Catherine's Pass back the other way. And, you know, we're, we're close to Park City as well. I, I remember working down in the ticket office one day and an Asian gentleman knocked on the door and he wanted to know how to get back to the gondola. And so uh, 
we're fairly close and it would be a, a very cool thing if we could ever connect. That situation probably doesn't happen anymore. No, <laughs> not that's, so much. That's pretty amazing. I, you know, I, th I, I think uh, those of us who ski over in the Park City side, we encounter that once in a while as well. When I was at Deer Valley not all that long ago and someone was asking me, how to get back to the McConkie's lift. I said, mm -hmm. well, you, you had to know in order to get here. But so, so this guy actually dropped down from over Jupiter all the way down. All the way down. Yeah. yeah. How did you send him back? <laughs> I think we gave him a ride around in a car. Oh, that's great. You've, uh, you know, actually on the transportation front, one of the things that, uh, that I've really enjoyed seeing is the expansion of the bus service that you, you have this year. Yeah, the bus uh, bus services really increased this year. Uh, I mean, ridership is up about forty percent because of that expansion, and uh, you know, with the Central Wasatch Commission and UTA stepping up, and uh, and the resorts really getting that together and getting that to happen has uh, has really really helped. I was 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 over here a, a couple of months ago and uh, realized that you had I think it's fifteen minute frequency on the buses now, yeah. which is which is really quite astounding. Which is actually much better than is in Little Cottonwood, but uh, it's great to have that transportation network up here. It uh, is great to have it. It needs to needs to improve a lot more. <laughs> well, but it's it's it's, it's on least, its way though. It's heading that direction, right? Yeah. Let's let's look again at the uh, the the future of the sport and where things are going. You're part of the Icon Pass program. And, we are, and I think that's been productive for you. But as with anything, you know, you're going to have some growing pains with that. How has that worked uh, in in terms of opening up Brighton to let more skiers experience this great resort? Well, not only Icon, but, uh, you know, with Vail purchasing uh, Park City and the Epic Pass, there's a lot more people coming to Utah. Uh, and so uh, when they do come to Utah, I think they uh, try to explore some of the other areas. And so we're seeing those folks um, uh, with Solitude being an Altera resort and an Icon uh, resort just down the street we're we're seeing a, a fair amount of impact from that as well yeah and and where do you see that going in the future uh, is that changing the mix of people who are here um for our resort uh maybe a, a little bit in the short term but i think uh you know we still have our core local skier that that uh, comes to our resort and frequents uh the mountain, uh, and like I say, we're we're getting a lot of visitors from people that are really just exploring Utah for, you know, maybe the first time. Yeah, uh, a big part of your uh, legacy here at Brighton has been your ski school and your very active efforts for decades in introducing kids to the sport. Tell us a little bit about that and how that has has really impacted Brighton over the years. Uh, well, our, our ski school really started with Kay Smith, who was a, a well-known uh, personality in the uh, ski instruction uh, area. And he, uh, he was one of the uh, uh, real pioneers of, of the sport. Um, and we've always had that desire to get beginners up here and families up here and, and, and teach them to learn how to ski. Uh, through the years, we've worked with all the schools in the in the Salt Lake Valley and and tried to get kids up into learning programs and you know that's that's the future of our business as 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 young kids getting excited about the sport and and uh, coming up and learning how and, and, and enjoying it yeah so uh, it, it's been fun I've seen uh, I've seen kids in programs now that uh, are now adults with families of their own that frequently. Uh, 
uh, will come and pull me aside and say, I want you to meet my little kid, uh, you know, and I learned how to ski here. So that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it really is. You, you really are a generational ski area, aren't you? Families coming back year after year. We are. Yeah. yeah. Have, have you, uh, introduced your kids and grandkids to the sport? Yeah, I have, uh, you know, my kids all skied and then I have two twin, uh, grandkids and, uh, they're just a, a riot to ski with. Can you keep up with them? Uh, I'm starting to. Well, now that they go into the woods, I'm a little more cautious. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so they're in the woods now. <clears throat> you hit that tree years ago. I That's right. I I'm still having that. flashbacks. <laughs> it, is, it is fun. It is fun watching kids uh, yeah. have the thrill of the sport, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you know, they love it. And it can be cold and I'm freezing to death and they're still ready to go. No, Grandpa, you got to come on back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is uh, just going back to uh, the the scenery of the resort, the spectacular views that you have. I think a lot of people tend to be enamored with the cottonwoods for the alpine terrain we have. It's uh, far different than what you see in mm -hmm. uh, in Park City, for 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 example. Kind of walk through some of your famous fav or favorite places on the mountain where you could just stand there and just take in the view forever. Yeah. Well, my favorite view, of course, are, there's two. And uh, my favorite view is really off the top of the Great Western Chairlift when you can see all the way uh, down to Timpanogos in Provo. And you can see Sundance Resort down below, uh, below the Timpanogos Peak or where it would be. Uh, over to uh, Snowbird and Alta, and then coming all the way around to looking up towards Francis Peak up in, in Ogden. Um, on a clear day when the valley's clear, you can see Salt Lake, uh, the Great Salt Lake, and uh, just an incredible view. I think it's one of the best views of the Wasatch. Uh, from Snake Creek Pass, you know, you're looking the other direction into the Heber Valley and into the Uinta Mountains, and that's uh, that's a equally as great view as uh, as the other. So. Those are my favorites. Any possibility of dropping a lift over that Snake Creek side someday? I don't think that's uh, ever going to happen. <laughs> It'd be nice, wouldn't it, though? That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. it's yeah. Uh, uh, As I was telling you earlier, we do a lot of jeeping over on that side, and I'm just looking up there in the summertime and saying, wow, yeah. there's some <clears throat> some nice pitches there. But a uh, little complicated to do that. A little complicated. Yeah. There's some great backcountry skiing over there. There's a... There's a run we call the green slope that is just the perfect angle and uh, uh, perfect exposure for some amazing corn skiing in the spring. Where does it drop you off? Uh, where do we finally where, come out? Yeah, where do you come out? We'll at the come end? out uh, by the golf course down in Midway. How do you get back up? We skin it back. We need to talk somebody into come picking us up. <laughs> That's the easy way to do it. <laughs> well, Randy, I want to wrap this up with uh, just a few a little lightning round that we do every week with our guests and uh, simple little questions. Have a little fun with it, and you know we've kind of already answered this first one, but I want to hear you tell the story again. Where did you learn to ski? I learned to ski just right on the majestic hill, just right uh, right off of the parking lot at Brighton. Now, you've been here a lot of years. You know, you've literally grown up on this mountain since you were uh, just a couple of years old. What has been, over the years, your very favorite run here at Brighton? Uh, my favorite run currently, in which I've been skiing for a number of years, uh, is a runoff of Great Western called uh, Endless Winter. And uh, Endless Winter is, is named Endless Winter because... Uh, when Warren Miller was uh, uh, celebrating an anniversary, uh, they had asked some of the ski areas if they could name a run 
after one of Warren's movies. And uh, we chose Endless Winter, but that is a is just a, a fun run. I shouldn't be telling people about it because no, you should. Usually, That's we do this. <laughs> usually, it's uh, usually it's not. There's not too much traffic on it, and the powder lasts a long time. Yeah, biggest snow year ever at Brighton. Boy, the biggest snow year ever i think was may have been last year it was pretty pretty special wasn't it yeah that was an amazing an amazing year what did you end up with for snow last year we had you know when we you know we only measure snow till uh the end of april and by then we'd had 700 plus inches so it was it was a a wild year it's pretty pretty crazy yeah amazing snowstorms it was interesting what you said earlier though because a lot of people think there's not as much snow but in reality, I think what you've experienced is there is as much snow today as there used to be. Yeah, I mean, every year is different, of course. But I mean, I remember huge snow snow years in the past. Um, you know, they, they seem to the timing seems a little different. If there's a anything I've noticed, favorite ski run outside of Brighton. Oh, I like a Greeley Bowl at Brighton. I mean, at Alta. <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. You can see it from the top. You can see it from the top. But I think, you know, I, I love Greeley Bowl. Are you able to get over there once in a while? I, I, I am. I, I sneak over to Solitude and drop over the ridge and bum a pass off those guys and <laughs> make a few runs and have lunch and come home. Cool. Favorite backcountry run? Oh, my favorite backcountry run is uh, uh, probably the Green Slope in, uh, yeah. off the back zone. So Yeah, that sounds like a good one. That's a great one. You don't have to go all the way down. You can hike back up. I know, going down all the way sounds like a pretty good idea. <laughs> Favorite summer hike with the grandkids? Uh, just the Mary Lake, just the Brighton Lakes Trails, which goes to uh, Lake Mary, Martha, Catherine, up onto the ridge uh, overlooking Little Cottonwood Canyon. What's the percentage of times you hike there when you see a moose? Oh gosh, I would say close to seventy to eighty percent of the time. It's amazing, time. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The moose, I, I love the moose up by the lakes, and then the one that hangs out in the parking lot. Yeah, that's the tourist moose. Yeah, <laughs> you got to work for the other one. Uh, favorite Utah craft beer? Uh, Brighton IPA, of course. Who's making Brighton IPA? Uh, you went to brewing. Excellent. Yeah, love those. Favorite pizza? Favorite pizza? Oh gosh. Um, the pie the pie yeah good choice and last but not least the closer question groomers powder glades or moguls for me powder everyone answers powder (laughs) (laughs) randy thank you so much for joining us and telling us some great stories about brighton this is quite an amazing resort and folks if you have not been here lately get up here and take in that view it's amazing randy doyle general manager and the family face behind one of utah's favorite ski areas brighton resort now in i think 84th season If my math was right. Uh, Come on up here this winter and enjoy a wonderful experience with the family. And if you're enjoying Last Chair from Ski Utah, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please share with a friend. Hope you're enjoying these stories of the people who make the Ski Utah experience so magical. I'm Tom Kelly coming to you this week from Brighton Resort, your host for Ski Utah's Last Chair. I'll see you on the slopes 